Hello, hello, dear folks. Welcome to season seven of our On the Call series produced by the stars among us. I'm Ozzy, as you know, and I'm very happy that you tuned in to this thank you tour of mine as each episode is a thank you card to those who have impacted my life in one way or another. And on this sixth episode of season seven, I'm shining light on David Boothman. Hello, David. Hello, Ozzy. Wonderful family. Thank you. You're welcome. So... David, for you guys to know, is, first of all, one of six siblings and is a celebrated composer, artist, musician, and educator currently serving as master artist in residence at the University of Trinidad and Tobago, UTT. He's also the chairman of Caribbean Renaissance Foundation and has been involved in the arts for over 45 years. Booty, are you still called Booty, David? Well, Zibut, to make it easier. Zibut. <laughs> Zibut comes from a family of artists and musicians. (laughs) His uncle, Bosco and Jeffrey Holder, are two of the best-known artists from the Caribbean. Two of his brothers, Michael and Roger, are also awarded artists and musicians. David attended QRC, Queens Royal College in Trinidad, and won a scholarship to Pratt Institute in New York to study art, and is an honor graduate of that institute. In addition to being a top artist, David is also an accomplished jazz pianist and composer. With his older brother, keyboardist at the time, David Boothman, would begin their experiments in the new fusion of African music, shango rhythms, jazz, calypso, even flirting with the musical seas of what would become soca in a few years. Big, big, big now, with David composing an original called So They Say which won Best Arrangement and Best Original Composition. With the band Family Tree, consisting of the Boothman Brothers, which later included the steel band Prodigy Teenager, the great Len Bugsy Sharp, another wonderful artist, the Family Tree toured with Derek Walcott's Trinidad Theatre Workshop, Nobel Laureate Derek Walcott, including the other great Andrew Tanker, great friend of mine, the great qualities of the day. So David has performed at international jazz and Caribbean music festivals. He founded CAJE, Caribbean Art Jazz Ensemble, and founder and director of Caribbean Art Central and Transcendental Caribbean. We're going to talk about that, David. As a composer, artist, musician, and educator, he's received numerous awards for arts in education and multimedia arts production in Trinidad and the U.S. And in the 1980, he was awarded a government scholarship through the Prime Minister's Best Village program. Boothman has written and produced soundtracks for documentaries, composed jingles, and has performed and recorded with leading Caribbean performing artists. His paintings have been exhibited at the Smithsonian Anacostia Museum, OAS, the National Museum of Trinidad and Tobago, and the African American Museum in Dallas, Texas, as well as international corporate buildings in Europe and Latin America. His works have been published in several publications, including the Musical America International Directory of the Performing Arts Annually and the International Review of African American Art. Hmm. So I want to talk about the Caribbean Renaissance, which is a fusion of creative entities plowing the ground for a cultural revitalization and the reinvention of the Caribbean identity. This is something that is David's passion. But before we get to that, David, I want to say that this episode is sponsored by the Emancipation Support Committee 
which acts in its own right or as an umbrella to advance the interests of Africans nationally and internationally and to promote national and regional development consistent with its objectives. It aims to function as an integral part of the network of Africans in the diaspora engaged in the work of transformation and development targeted again at the restoration of African selfhood, spiritual connectedness, and the creative economic and social potential of the group. Therein lies the, the Emancipation Support Committee. Thank you guys for sponsoring this episode. So David, is there yes. anything that I need to amend? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm so taken listening to that wide <laughs> composite of my work. Let's say, to start with, I'm fortunate to be active in the 60s, 1960s. And I think the 1960s and the 70s offered the world an opportunity, a rebirth idea of a humanizing idea. And that comes out of the Caribbean, the power of the Caribbean and what the Caribbean represent. But that kind of idea is a thing, you have to see it, you have to understand what that is, the history, the revised history, who we think we are, and how we are as humans and how we impact on the world. So the 60s and 70s offered a big scope of that opportunity from the you know, self-realization, the black power, the hippie movement, the Bob Marley, mystical movement in a way, the Jamaican, the soca, the fusion of African East Indian musics and all of these things. And it offered us an opportunity to be very succinct into creating an identity. Fortunate to work with the likes of Jeffrey Holder, Bosco Holder, Derek Walcott, Rex Snipperford, and to be active as a musician, also working in the Calypso tent, which offered an array of, you know, interacting with the best of the Calypsonians and the upcoming soccer artists. I also work at the studio, recording studio, as a studio musician with Shadow, the mighty Shadow, David Weathersam, Andre Tanker, and a lot of other artists. But more interestingly is the fraternal base we had in the 60s. In Queens Royal College, which is a popular high school in Trinidad, offered in the 60s, there was this educator by the name of Schofield Program who sort of brought the presence of Calypso Jazz to me as a progenitor for the new music and the advent of the Calypso Jazz within the Caribbean jazz reality. And one of these things is we explored the different relations, cultural relations, the interactive characters and symbolism of the East Indian, the African, French, the Spanish, the Latin. So in all, we were searching to bring all that reality as a Caribbean dynamic, as a form of identity. We dabbled in what was, for us, was Calypso jazz, and jazz, what it is, according to Spokane Pilgrim, jazz is not a noun, it's a verb. It's an it's a act of becoming, it's an act of improvisory, of the noun, and appropriating it with an intelligence, a free sense intelligence. So when you hear 
like the two jazz musicians that they go into tonal spaces. And the Calypso jazz, to me, started in the early 1920s as part of the processionary music on the streets, where the, the musician improvised in their cadences and their reflection of language. He created a language. And this language evolved into what we call the calypso from a music point of view. So most of the calypsos in the olden days tell the story. The calypsonians would tell the story, but the musician is a call and answer where the musician, the instrumental part, interpret the language. So all the phrasing has a particular character, and that character is calypso jazz. So let me ask you something. Is, because of that, is it something that the Caribbean Renaissance Organization Foundation that you're working with, does it pertain to that? Yes, in a way it does, because what it does is really digging deep into who we are. Mm-hmm. You see, my great-grandfather is Barbadian. My great-grandmother is from Martinique. On the other side is the Carib and the African. And we missed that opportunity in celebrating that. So the Caribbean Renaissance, in its core, is celebrating the Caribbean in us. So within the last 400 years, the Caribbean identity, the whole melding, it's the last of a whole human regrouping. And inside that, there's that possibility of who we are as the last grouping of human gathering. And that is the Caribbean. So to put that in a perspective and to use that away from other stigmatization or forced identity that might be coming from the outside in, the Caribbean Renaissance is beaming from the inside out. So that intelligence that is in us, we celebrate that. What are the steps that you're taking so, now to bring it all together? This Caribbean Renaissance is uh, an integration, right? Well, we're doing an outreach for thinkers and people who are in resonance with this thinking. For instance, mm-hmm. we were at the Norman Govern conference in Cuba last December, because Norman Govern was another kind of a Caribbean thinking pioneer. But while I was there and doing the research for my presentation, I realized in the research, most of the writers and intellects like A.N.C. Césaire and his wife, there were a lot of writers from Martinique and from the Latin countries as far as 200 years ago. Mm. And they were writing on decolonization since then. So what I realized is that the French and Latin countries because they had conservatories that old, their involvement with that intellectual capacity they had some wonderful thinkers and writers. And with Saxon Caribbean conservatories, that's about 75 years old, to the intellectual capacities that is a little newer. It's not as well as out the succinct as the French and the Latin. But what I realized across the board, there were these intellectual thinkers and writers that sort of were parallel thinking, they were on the same level, they were on the mm-hmm. same accord. And to me, if they have this parallel thinking and they're all from different times and different periods and spaces, that means there's a resonance of a thinking. And if there's resonance of a thinking, mm-hmm. there is a consciousness. And this consciousness is what I term as a Caribbean consciousness. Mm-hmm. And what the Caribbean Renaissance is about is upholding this consciousness as an opportunity and a place 
and a tactile reality that we could bring about and give birth to. So were you able to talk to them about what you're trying to do? And what was the, re- what was the response? I wasn't trying. I said it and it went <laughs> down well. <laughs> it went well because the whole thing about this, Aussie, is perception. And everything is perception. If you don't have perception, you don't have vision. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have vision, you don't have that opportunity. You still enter illiterate bondage. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is to raise this perception. I think I put a wonderful perception out there, which is fresh and revitalizing. And that's what we are riding on. So the momentum of that we are working with and going ahead with. And I realize perception is everything. Mm-hmm. And especially in today with all this um, chaos, there is a chaos. And we have to admit the chaos and how we are. As a Caribbean reality, we have to really have a strong, strong identity. We have to mm-hmm. have a strong base and we have to really embrace our elders, which is important. What positive impact do you feel you're making in the world due to your gifts and your project? What are you most grateful for in your life? I am grateful, as I said, that I come from an environment of thinkers wonderful people, romantic people. I come from a culture that vibrates with a certain kind of reverence for life. And I can see it in my family and the families around me. I see it into that whole Caribbean essence. And I'm grateful for that. What impact do you see, top line impact for the project? Creating an integrated Caribbean. Conscious Caribbean. I wrote a song 20 years ago called Village of Nations, Village of Love. It's a conscious proposition, and here it goes. If all the nations were one, if all the people hear the heart of the village, there would be oneness, a unity, a conscious one. Let us rise to the most high, transcending higher on high. Journey for peace and understanding journey of the Caribbean becoming one. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes learned children to reconcile, bridging the wisdom of the elders so our children would rise. So here in this song, we are honoring the elders as a celebration of the Caribbean in us. Is the thing that you're referring to Does that relate to the Caribbean Renaissance? Yes, very much so. I think the Caribbean has a special benediction to give back to the world. And it's a human process. When I look at the romantic Cuba, that how Cuba has maintained a certain kind of investment on contaminated in 60 years, and they could have that quality of education, that quality of music, that quality of romance, it's a good template for the Caribbean. When we listen to Bob Marley and his insight into that mystical space, that is very muscular. But when you listen to the old calypsos that tells a human story, that is another kind of dynamic. And when you understand the real Latin and the African revisitation, it comes around into a wonderful dynamic. From mm-hmm. even flamenco, you get from the troubadours, the nomadic life from North Africa, into Spain and comes right back to Cuba, makes into a Uber situation. 
And there's something about that essence that connects with all of the Caribbean, from the Indo-Caribbean, the African-Caribbean, the European-Caribbean. I think there's a power in it. I just think, too, we're still dealing with what we call illiteracy. Illiteracy is not because you cannot read. Illiteracy is because you relate into a certain, as I said, narrow aperture of reality. And you continue into that narrow aperture. And the colonizers and illiteracy are two peas in a pod. And colonizers are not necessarily European, but there is also a tribal intelligence that if your intelligence works with a narrow aperture and it's dominant, well, we are fixed there. And I think that comes in into a world where we see crime, we see in thug language, there's no romance. That means that. Narrow aperture is getting closer and closer, whereas it's supposed to be opening out into who we are in a cosmic reality that functions as a divine cause, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think the Caribbean, if it attends to this, we'll be good. Mm -hmm. The last question for me to you is, what are you most grateful for in your life? I am grateful, as I said, that I come from an environment of thinkers Wonderful people, romantic people. I come from a culture that vibrates with a certain kind of reverence for life. And I can see it in my family and the families around me. I see it into that whole Caribbean essence. And I'm grateful for that. Well, folks, this was David Boothman. Folks, thank you very, very much for spending your valuable time with us today. Please care to share. Remember, when you're on your beat, stay on the sunny, sunny, sunny side of the street safely. Be health conscious and kind to one another. And don't forget to give thanks for the little and the big gifts. David, thank you so much thank for you, spending this time, for laying down your thoughts and also your dreams with reference to Caribbean Renaissance. And I look forward to seeing the progress that it makes. I'm so happy that you went off to Cuba and you met others who are like-minded. And I can't wait to see what happens. Thank you. I mean, there's still so much to share, but, you know, in little doses, it's good. Yes. Maybe we'll do a recap down the road when things are moving on. Yes, with some music onto it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) All right, my friend. Thank you. See you next time when I'm down there. Yes, my dear. Looking forward.